Now, in fact, if, if we haven't met, there are some new faces for me too here today, and I've met a few new people today. My name is Dan. I serve as the pastor here. And so we're glad to have you here this morning in person, or you might be watching online this morning, maybe for the first time, and you're just clicking on things and like, oh, what's this about? And so we're glad to have you here today. Hope you could uh, stay more than five seconds in that click and, and enjoy, us, uh, enjoy the time and the service and hopefully uh, receive something in the message and be challenged as we're diving into this new series this morning called Promised Land, Promised Land. And and, and what we're doing is a, it's going to be going through the book of Joshua. And so if you want to start reading ahead, it's the adventures. If you, there's a lot of action in the book of Joshua that we'd be going through. But I want to set us up this morning and we just ask a classic question. It's a question that, that we, we ask in a certain way, probably all throughout our life. You, you might have actually did this, you know, in elementary school, someone asked you this question. And so you did a little journal, a little assignment. You got older and into middle school and high school, and you began to think about your career, and people think, what are you going to do when you grow up? And, and you, 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 it actually directed your education. It directed you toward your career. It, it even just directed toward your whole life. You, you might have put it on a whiteboard or on the mirror. And it's really this question, this simple question is, what's your dream? What's your dream? And specifically, we're going to talk about what's your promised land? What is it out there that you're trying to achieve? What are you trying to get out of life? That's a, that's a reoccurring thing over and over and over again in, in our lives of trying to, and anything, get there and, and to look ahead. So when I, when I was thinking about this week, the, the whole idea of promised land, as we look at what the Bible is going to say, I, I'm brought back to some dreams I had as a kid. I, I didn't really dream this so much to be an astronaut. Or I didn't dream to you know, be a fireman. I mean, there's different careers and things like that, that I dreamed of. But I, when I thought of land, I thought of Disneyland. And when I was a kid, this this very brochure was laying, it was always kind of tucked under albums, photo albums and annuals and things like that. And I'd pull it out as a young child and I would w look at this and go, oh, one day, one day that will be me on, on the Dumbo ride, you know, one day. And, and, and when you look at this, this is, you know, when I picked it up, it was about 25 years old, this, this brochure. Uh, Disneyland came out, and, and I think it was July 17, 1955, was they opened the doors, and 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 this booklet's a couple years old, just older, you know, a little bit newer than that. And so when you look at this, it's the the Disneyland that I knew was the Disneyland in this brochure. And and so when I when I looked at it, and I I, I thought about it, and go, what what could be ahead, and what would this look like? But I'm I'm looking through 19 a uh, 1950s you know, lenses here and all the things that are in that. But that's all I knew about, about Disneyland. And, as, and one day I was hoping one day to look forward to it. You know, Walt Disney had a dream. He was moving from the, you know, one that developed Mickey Mouse and the cartoon to going, I got to put that, you know, that character in his own home, in his own land. And he, with the work of Imagineers, and they, they created Disneyland. And then even, even later, just a few years later, they created Disney World. Some of you have been maybe to Disney World. And, and in 1971, Walt Disney had already passed away. And they interviewed, uh, where one of his wife's friends, when they had the, the day it was opening, this is what she was asked. She was asked this question, really, 
You know, or, or the, the statement was made was, uh, was, you know, it's too bad Walt wasn't able to, to see it. What a shame he wasn't here today to see the opening. And this is what Lily, his wife, said back. Walt did see this, and that's why we're here. And I think about that with the, I don't know what dreams you have. Maybe, maybe you've never had this elaborate dream and to see it come to fruition. But dreams, dreams do matter. In fact, the dreams have led to millions of people going and billions, as you've, you've contributed as well maybe, billions of dollars uh, toward the happiest place on earth. And what's funny about this booklet is, you know, I picked it up in the 1970s from when it was 1950s. I didn't get to go to Disneyland to the 1980s. And, and so it was already 30 years old. So imagine, you know, in your mind as a kid, something that's in the 1950s and walking in, it's, and the, the changes that happened. Of course, it, it was technology improved and everything. But there was kind of a little bit of disappointment because it's going, hey, this doesn't match the brochure what I thought Disneyland would be. And so sometimes our, you know, our expectations can kind of be off a little bit and what we're hoping for and what we're dreaming for. And as much as Disney and the amazing people that were Imagineers, how many know this? We, we have one who's created and dreamed up no mind is seen, no ear, you know, no, uh, uh, I'm sorry, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. As much as I love Space Mountain, there's nothing better than a clear day of that can beat Mount Baker, right? And God's creation, what he dreamed up. And so as we experience the awe of God and we, we, we celebrate him and we worship him and we see, Lord, all that you've done and all you accomplished, what I find is there seems to be, I don't know about you, there's this gap between what's a dream and even what God dreams up and reality. There's times in my life what I find is that that what's in the brochure doesn't match the reality of what I'm hoping for. But I had dreams, I had desires, and maybe even God promised dreams along the way. What, what happens is our idealism becomes a bit of an idol. And, and, and we began to look at our life through an outdated brochure. And then when that happens is it leads to disappointment and letdown. In fact, if we continue to push forward in what we want out of life and what we're hoping for and the timing and the way we want it, what we find is we get frustrated and we get angry and, and, and in, whether it's not maybe outwardly, but inside of us, we can kind of have inner angst and go, and this is not what I expect life to be. And I don't think I'm the only one that feels that way. I, I, I feel that at times of my expectations are not met. And what I find is, this, I don't like myself. I don't like how I feel, the way I feel about that. And I know it's not God's will, but I'm like, what do I do? And I'm really going back, you know, as, as Alex prayed this morning, you know, God is good and God is faithful and he, he very much is. But why is there a gap? Why is there, it seems to be a gap to what maybe dreams and maybe we even think God's dreams for us and then the reality in which we live. And so that's what we're going to really actually spend some time unpacking this summer, what really what promised land means. And to do that, I want to set us up with just a common phrase that you probably have heard before. I, I believe it's 
it's a timeless truth, and I believe it comes from the heart of God. It's, it's biblical as this, and this is our summer kind of simple truth, is the meaning of life is found in the journey, not the destination. The meaning of life, the, the value of life, what we get out of life is in, the, is in this journey that we're in, not just getting to whatever there is. Because I don't know, a lot of you have spent a lot of efforts getting there, and what we find is when we're there, we're going, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't look right. It's not, the it's not in the brochure. This is not what I ordered on the, on the picture of the food on my menu. This is not what, this is not what the, the, the website said of the resort that I say I'm staying at, right? This isn't, this isn't what I dreamed as, as what I was hoping for in, in this dream, whatever it is, in home or wedding or whatever it is. And we, we find ourselves this disappointment. What do we do with that? And I think we've gone through of getting there and try to get there in life. You, you've gone on road trips, right? Family vacations. Some of us are old. I think most of the people in this room remember going on family vacation when you had no apps to click on. Do you remember those days? There wasn't even AC in your car, okay? You had AM radio. What did we do with our time? We continued to ask our parents, our kids did when they're little in a minivan or station wagon, when are we going to get there? And we continue to ask that question throughout our life. And people will ask us, that, hey, when are you going to graduate? When are you going to get a job? When are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? When are you going to buy a house? When are you going to, you know, all this? When are you going to retire? You know, it's just like we're always trying to get there. And that could just be a life that's filled with consuming and acquiring, possessing. Again, that we can find ourselves frustrated, disappointed, and ultimately exhausted. It's not, it doesn't match up. What do we do? Well, if there's ever a group of people that were trying to get there was the Hebrew people in the Bible. They, they were a long road trip, a road trip that we're going to look at that, you know, the beginning of the book of Joshua actually is, is it's 40 years of a road trip, but it's really hundreds of years that, that led up to that. And you could read through Scripture and really the first, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and you, you get the biblical history that led up to the point that we're going to be looking at here as we start this series this morning to this very point on the edge of this promised land. But this promised land came with an original promise way back, what was called, and this is going to give you kind of a, a biblical foundation to build up to what we're going to talk about today, and that is it came back to this idea and reality that God revealed in what we call a covenant. And it was the covenant that started with Abraham, the first patriarch. And the Bible says in Genesis 12, God speaks to a, to specifically it was his name at the time was Abram. And he said this to him, he says this, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Later on, God reminds old Abraham of the covenant that was connected to the promised land. He says this, I, God says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and your descendants and the whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner. I will give you an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be your God. Most of us are aware of this promise, have heard of this, of this, this covenant, this promised land. But what happened was many generations 
were coming and going and coming and going and asking this question on this long road trip, when are we going to get there? And that covenant began to fade in the memory, not in God's mind, but in man's mind, and, and man began to fade and actually drift from their commitment to God, being his people, that led to a, a struggle of forgetting God completely and, and realizing it, it led to them moving into slavery. The Egyptian slavery that lasted 400 years Scripture says that it's almost that they forgot God, but God had not forgotten them. And his covenant is reminded to a 40-year-old Moses in the burning bush of backside of the desert, this renewed covenant. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I've heard their cries because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of this land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Milk and honey. Now, milk, when we think of it, wasn't cow's milk. It was goat's milk, by the way. There wasn't a lot of cows back then in Israel. Uh, it was goats, and, and then the, the, the honey, it, rep- it, it, was, uh, it wasn't bees' honey. It was, actually came from dates. So you ever, you know, so lots of goat's milk and lots of dates was really what the promise. But they represented something more than just food. The, the milk represented an ever-reproducing life that, that God was going to give the people when they entered the land. And, and the honey represented his goodness, his sweetness, his, his, the joy that they're going to have when they enter this land of opportunity, this land of promise. And so Moses is guided by God, the, the people of Israel, on this journey in the Exodus, you know, cloud by day that they followed God's presence and a fire pillar by night. God, God fed them every day in the, in the journey. He gave them bread, which is called manna. He gave them meat, which was bird, which was quail. For 40 years, they just were on this journey. And over and over, generations would, would continue to ask the question, are we there yet? They're in the back of the wagon. <laughs> it wasn't a station wagon, it was a, a cart. And they're asking that question. And finally, finally, we get to the moment when the kids say, are we there yet? And they can say, yes, we're there. Joshua chapter 1, this is what it says, verse 1. As people are standing on the edge of this promised land, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's quite the opening, isn't it? This, by the way, he's dead. That's it. The Moses. You got to remember, the Moses that helped part the Red Sea, you know, he, he brought down the Ten Commandments, you know, was, was face-to-face with God. It was that Moses, this great leader. How many know we can be in the past, have great leaders and great people? I'll tell you, we stand on the shoulders of many who have been a part of North Bay in this church. And, and through death and through transition and a lot of disruption last year, a lot of, a lot of changes happened that, we're, that we can appreciate what God has done in the past and, and, and accomplish that. And yet, we find our, ourselves at times in crisis. <laughs> we find ourselves in times that when, when transition happens, there can be a feeling of uncertainty and almost at times it can feels like we're in jeopardy. Well, I got a big announcement for you today. 
announcement that, that has come to this place. Yesterday was yesterday. <laughs> You're like, okay. Yesterday is dead and gone. Whatever is the past with us. Do we appreciate the past? Absolutely appreciate the past. But as God was speaking to Joshua, who was going to be the leader of maybe two and a half million refugees moving into a new country, your leader is dead, and Joshua's going, oh no, now what? Here's this moment. And God, as we're going to look at even more next week, this assurance that he gives Joshua is pretty astounding. But here they were, wandering in the wilderness. They, they, they finally get to the, to, the, to, the, to the edge of the promised land. And there's almost like, okay, we made it. And they didn't realize how, how much ahead was going to take place, not just getting there, but now entering in and what that really was going to mean. And I don't think we always know either what we're getting ourselves into. When we think like we arrived at a place, we're actually just at the beginning. Here's Joshua having to fill some pretty big sandals of what's going to take place, and they have arrived. And I tell you what happens, a lot of times in arrival, we think that, that we've arrived. You know, it's, it's, I know this is kind of silly, but, you know, imagine traveling all the way to Disneyland and, and you know, either flying or, or, you know, God forbid you would drive there all the way with a bunch of kids, right? Maybe you're saying, oh, that's how we got our kids there in Disneyland. But imagine a long line at the gate, and it's hot, and you're waiting, and you finally get through the gate. Well, a lot of us, what we do when we got through the gate of Disneyland, we ran, man. We're running to the favorite attraction to get in line and everything. But imagine some people just kind of hang back at the gate and going, eh, this is good. I'm in. I'm fine. It's all good. Like, what are you doing? What, 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 Disneyland, the Magic Kingdom is there to explore all the lands. There's Frontierland, Adventureland, there's Tomorrowland. I mean, you're, what, why, would you, why would you not explore everything? And I think it's a, a good question for us as followers of Jesus is that we're, it, just to get in is not the goal. Just to arrive and say, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm, a, I'm saved. I, I got my ticket punched to the, the pearly gates. I'm, I'm getting through. No, that's... that's unsatisfying and not only that it's it's unfulfilling what really God has for us it's not just getting to the promised land it's possessing it possessing what possessing land now what's the land represent well that's what we're going to spend weeks talking about what does it really represent see what we find ourselves is we can get worn out just getting there and we realize no not just getting there is the goal it's the journey that we're called to be on and I see I just as I believe as Joshua was taking this next generation entering the promised land there's a steps that he's calling us to make to step in. And some of us think we've maybe arrived. Some of us even think we've got so far in our life that we're, we're at a place that we kind of go, <sighs> and listen, I'm all for breaks. I'm all for people and, and seasons of life. But as long as you and I are breathing on this earth, we're not called to coast. We're not called to stay just on the edge of the promise land because we're there is a journey that the Lord wants to take us on to bring meaning in our life and fulfilling what he desires to fulfill through us. And so what he says to Joshua is what we're going to end here for a couple minutes, in a couple minutes this morning. And this is what he says in verse 2. He speaks this to Joshua. He says to them what to do next. He says to these people, get ready 
to cross the Jordan into the land I'm, I'm about to give them to the Israelites. To get ready. To get ready. Can you say to your neighbor next to you, get ready? Can you do that? Get ready. Okay, you just woke somebody up here, okay? We don't come to church to sleep, by the way. That's, that's afternoon nap, okay? We're here to engage God. We're here to say, we are on the edge. I tell you, North Bay, we are on the edge of what God wants to do. And whatever is ahead, can I tell you, it's going to need some miracles ahead to what's going to do that. It's always been that way. It's always been a faith. And God's saying, on the edge. But to get on the edge to enter in, you got to get ready. You've got to prepare. Now, what are we preparing for? War, of course. It's war. It's a battle. But we need to understand this battle. It's so significant. You see, where we're going with these summer Sundays is to know that it's not going to enter battle with, with swords and shields. We don't have to do that kind of battle. But there's a battle within. We're going to look ahead in these weeks to come. We're going to look at specific battles, but we're going to look at the battles for our own lives and what we're going through. See, our battles might not be fighting, fighting in, a, in an army, but our battles might be, as we're going to look at, fear, doubt, greed, discouragement, powerlessness. These are all these battles that we're going to have to apply to our life and what we're going to do is we want to enter in and really fully experience and possess this promised land that he has for us us. But I want to encourage you with this thought, is that when we go to fight in these battles, and I love the song we sang this morning, the, the, going, you know, the battle belongs to the Lord, and that's exactly what that is. See, the battle for us is not to fight for victory, but to fight in victory, and, to, and specifically to fight because of the victory. Where's the victory? Well, the victory's already happened. Through Christ, we've already won. God has done what he's done. See, the fulfillment of this ancient covenant that was promised to God's people is a fulfillment for us because ultimately the promise was fulfilled through the Joshua. Or in Hebrew, we say Yeshua. Do you know anybody named Yeshua? Jesus conquered our sin on the cross and defeated death. The war has already been won. Are you happy about that? That the war has already been won? I don't know. Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> sleeping, sleeping army right here. The war has already been won. The question is now, how do we fight the battle? Because that's where the gap is. You're like, oh great, the war is won. Why do we have to fight the battle? We live in a sinful, broken world, including ourselves, that we are moving in this battle, but we don't have to fight for victory. The victory is already won. We're going to fight in the victory because of the victory, but we have to be in the battle for, for what God promises us. And look at what he promised Joshua to this new generation. It says this, I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates and all the hilltop country to the Mediterranean Sea and to the west. Now, what is God saying? He's basically saying, hey, don't just stand at the gate. I have an incredible land for you to explore. You need to, there's all these lands that I'm, I'm, I have for you that I've dreamed up for you for you to fully experience. I think one of the, the lies that we hear or we know others that don't want to follow Jesus is that, that, that Jesus is restrictive. That, that being a Christian, you've got to follow these, these rules and you're limited in life. Well, I'll tell you what's limited is a, is a jail, jail cell. That's pretty limited. I, I, 
being, being hooked on something, an addiction, that, I think that's what, that's chains. Dealing with unforgiveness and shame and guilt and these emotions that trap us and imprison and, and us, I think that's kind of limited. What, what we're finding is that, that God, in, in, in opportunity for relationship with him, opens up this amazing land that we're called to explore, which is his very kingdom. But look what it says next. I love this. It says this. No one will be able to stand against you in all the days of your life. Man, what, isn't, that, isn't that a promise? No one. No one will come against you. I mean, no one can overtake you. Yeah, they're going to come against you for sure. There's going to be battles that you're going to face. But I love the fact that we know in Christ. How many know the Bible says no, no, we, we are more than conquerors in Christ. That's doesn't mean we don't have to be victims. We are a part of the victory that Christ has done for us already. If we live any less of this, it's, it's just a fantasy world of an outdated brochure that we'll never get there. It's a lesser dream that we have that but we're called to possess the promises he's given us. And so I want to leave us, just got a couple minutes here. I want to quickly leave you with three ways to get ready as we prepare for this summer journey together. Three ways. The first is this. You can put them in your notes that you have in your program or you're watching online. You can jot these down. The first is this. You need to know in getting ready to possess the promised land, it's more about the ride than the real estate. It's more about the ride than the real estate. If you've gone to Disneyland, they, one of the things they improved since the 1950s, you don't just stand in a boring line. The line's part of the ride. Have you noticed that? And I, I don't have, I've had friends that have gone to Star Wars land. They say, yeah, it's really cool in Star Wars land. The stormtroopers boss you around, you know, and they keep you going and moving. They, they, there's something about like this experience and it's a reminder that, that we're on the journey together. Wherever we're going, it's not just about the attraction ahead. It's about the journey together. And I, you know, you kind of wish that was an every Everything, you know, Disneyland was like that, you know, like in the grocery line, you're entertained or, you know, you know, you're in traffic, you know, there'd be different things like that. But real life, and what I found though, I'm, I spent a lot of time getting there and rushing to get there. And anytime I rush God's will, it never works out well for me. How about you? When I rush God's will, when I, I try to speed ahead and I try, and I, what happens is I hurt people, I, I mess up things and I have to apologize and I end up having to go back and redo things over again. What if I just would have waited? And I love what scripture tells us this about not only God's will, but God's pace. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If you've been in a marching band, there's a cadence, right? You know, right, left, right, left. And you know when someone's out of sync, that's the same thing. The pace and the march that God has us together. Here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Lord, how can I keep in step with you, with, with what you're doing every day? Not just rushing ahead and getting to something, but this process of seeking you in relationship with you that, Lord, you'll reveal. Some of you are at a place of decision. Some of you are at a place of frustration like I am. Like, when are we going to get there? And we just have to say, God, obviously you've slowed the roll for a reason. What is it, Lord? And having that discernment is so important as we pray daily and seeking him. To, it, and there, I think, I really believe for myself, and you know this, you experience this, that that's where we enjoy the journey, not just the destination. And maybe it's not even necessarily joy right now, but maybe there's a contentment. There's a peace that comes over us in, in the waiting for what will happen next. Secondly, in possessing land to get ready is this. It's more about the lessons than the location. It's more about the lessons than the location. Realtors will tell you, location, location, location. And I understand that, right? I was talking to my cousin last night at a wedding, and they're looking to buy a place in Maui. I'm thinking, 
I don't know what you can afford in Maui. It's probably a little cabin or a little shack. That's what I could, I probably can afford that. But you probably could buy a little shack in Maui or buy a mansion in Omak, Washington, okay? Uh, destination makes a diff- difference on that. But I think in our lives, we've got to think differently God's economy. God cares little about where we are, but more about what he's doing in us where we're, where we're at. He, he cares little. And I'm saying heaven's going to be great. Doesn't mean that there's things, there's not mean you can't have goals for the future that he's put in your heart to do and accomplish. Believe me, that's important. But if we're always trying to get there rather than this journey has us on, we're missing God's will altogether. Think about this. God delivered Israel from Pharaoh's army in a single day. It took 40 years for them to get to the promised land. You know what? I looked it up. You can Google it. It's like 300 or 400, 380 or 400 miles from like Cairo to Jerusalem. Okay, now there's modern roads and I get that. But it shouldn't take them 40 years. They say it could have probably just took them like 11, like 11 weeks or 11 days, I think, or something. It's crazy. But why 40 years? This is what I've heard. Why it took 40 years is this, that God wasn't just getting the people out of Egypt, but he was getting Egypt out of the people. Have you heard that before? That God wasn't just getting the people out of Egypt, but getting Egypt out of the people. What was going on? They've been used to being slaves for 400 years. That's all they know. I mean, if you're, come on, if you're in the state pen, free food and free fitness plan, right? The only problem with that, you're not free. And they didn't know what it was like to be free. And they, they were so used to it. And so when you've been a slave for centuries, it takes time for your identity to catch up with your new reality. That you're, you're free. You can leave. Well, I don't know. It's better back here. And that's really what the sad thing was. Is the people actually, when they got in the desert, they're like, this is what they said to Moses. They said, it's better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You want to go back to Egypt? I tell you, a lot of people choose to go back to move forward because even in slavery there's safety and yet it's so deceiving i tell you we live a lifetime if we've lived a lifetime of slavery it takes a process to get the egypt out of us to what god's promise has for us and the lesson we need to learn if there's any lessons from the people and especially this first generation is this they didn't get to possess the land Notice it was Joshua and the next generation that got to experience it. Why? For one reason. This is the lesson to learn. Complaining. Complaining will keep you from possessing the promises of God. And this is how it works. When you're complaining and moaning and groaning all the time in life, you wouldn't recognize if God blessed you by hitting you over the head with it. Because you're so caught up and we can, myself included, get so caught up in complaining that we never even see the promises and God's doing it in the first place. How do you enter a promised land when you don't know you're there? For them, physically that happened. For us, when we're not recognizing, not seeing it, we're not going to be able to enter in. It's a question we need to ask is this. Lord, what are you teaching me today that will help me tomorrow? What do I need to learn today about this and, and, and for me to move for it. And it's not about the destination. It's not about just getting there. It's this journey God has, and the journey we're on is a, a, a growth plan. It's becoming who he wants us to be that will lead us into the promise he has for us. The land's just a bonus. And lastly, I want to end with this, is that all, it's all about his presence than the property. It's all about his presence than the property. Now, 
Some, some of you know, we sit on this piece of property. It's an absolute miracle. This, piece of bu- this building here in this parking lot, we're, we're completely debt-free. But we have to move forward. We, we're not up to code. We have to move forward. And the best feasible plan is to build a new building. But I tell you, it's been a long journey. We're, many of us have been like, when are we going to get there yet? I believe me, it's been a long journey. And I tell you, now we're held up by one signature. One signature. This one signature, if it doesn't go through, I don't know what's going to happen. I encourage you, North Bay, if you could pray this week for this property and what God needs to do if he, and we hold it with an open hand, God, you brought us this far. We don't believe you're going to forsake us and leave us. But Lord, we're, we don't know what to do next if this doesn't go through. And so I encourage you this week. How many would say this week you, you would pray for our church? Could you raise your hand? I'm holding you to it. I won't call you up and say, hey, you're praying. But please do that. Make a note, write a, write a note, put it on your phone to pray. Just pray every day. So Lord, your will be done, God. But we're praying for your favor, for your wisdom of what to do and the promise. But we do know for sure this church is called to this community. Help us, Lord, in that. But I want to say all that to say it's just not about the property itself. It is about his presence. I love how Walt, I heard the stories where he would, when he was alive, he personally took people through the, his land that he made. And can I tell you, God wants to do the same thing through the relationship with Jesus Christ, not just to get us in the gate, but he says, I've got this land for you. I've got for you and what you can experience with me. What matters is not the property, it's my presence. And that's why this week, Josh brought it up. This is this week's spiritual practice. Make sure on the way out you grab one of these. I think we got a few, like maybe one per couple or one per family. And do this this week. Engage your senses this summer. Take a hike with God. Be in God's presence. Get, look at nature and, and what is he saying to you? What is he speaking to you? What are you seeing? What is he revealing to you? What are you, what are you smelling in life? You know, what do you, what, what does he have for you? That's what he does desires to you. I encourage you, there's a Facebook page. You can share your story and, and, and post pictures. I've done that already for one of the weeks. I encourage you to do that. But I want you to hear this. We're almost done. We got to close with this. All that God says he's going to give, but guess what? He says, I want to give you a personal tour. This is what he said. Is He said to uh, Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be with you, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. Does that sound familiar? nor leave you, nor forsake you. Jesus said the exact words before he ascended to heaven after the resurrection. He says, I'm going, but I will never leave you. For surely with the end of the age, you, I will be with you always. And he was. He, he, the covenant he made with Abraham, God did, that I'll be your people. Jesus says, I am the, the Emmanuel, God with us. I'm sending my spirit not only to be with you, but to be in you. I tell you, the promised land, make sure we hear this as we go to prayer. The promised land is not a physical address. It's not a GPS for us. I've been to the holy land. It's land, okay? The holy land, the, the promised covenant is Jesus himself. Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenant that we have as followers of Jesus who's in us. And if we chase anything else, it's an outdated brochure. They'll never, ever get there. It's this promise of his presence. And as Alex and Taryn come as we close, let me just ask this final question. Does the promise possess you? Does God's promise, does it possess you this morning? Do you have a personal 
faith in Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with him, because that is all you need. See, Jesus, he took care of the battle on the cross, through the resurrection. The battle has already been won. We're not to fight for victory in our life any longer. We're to fight in victory. And the victory is the fact that Jesus came incarnate to dwell in us and who he is in us. Does he possess you? Will you pray with me? God, thanks for this time and opportunity. There's so much more. I'm thankful, Lord, we have a whole summer to unpack this. We're just on the edge, just like, just like the people, this next generation. We're just on the edge. May we be the next generation. We love the past and the people of the past and all that God's done in and through, and we stand on the shoulders of that, but now we're the people. We're the people that possess the promise. And, and so, Lord, as we enter in and, and move through the land and possess the land spiritually as the people did this physically that we'll be looking at, God, may you reveal what you're doing, Lord. May you show us our doubt, show us our fear, show us the strongholds, show us where to go, but we know that the victory has already been won in you. And what you want to possess, what you want us to really experience is you in us. Christ, the hope of glory in us. And I pray that over all of us today, that we would reach out to you, say, Jesus, come, dwell in me. That wonderful promise of your very self incarnate in us so that we can live out your promises, not just about getting there, but to be with you to wherever you take us and what you want to accomplish in us and through us. May you reveal yourself in such a real way, even in these moments, as we gather this last song and this last expression to you before we leave, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and as we sing this final song together and just, just seek the Lord and say, God, this, I want to take this moment. God, I want you to possess my life once again. Fill me with your very spirit in me and through me in Jesus' name. Have a great day. Let's sing together.